podcast the last chapter ended with Guru Gobind Singh meeting with Bhim Chand Bhim Chand wanted to see the Guru's elephant and massive tent but the Guru said he would show him the next day so that's where chapter 29 begins describing how all the necessary supplies were given to the Raja the king Bhim Chand the Guru had commanded give great amounts of food send grass grain clarified butter sugar and so all the supplies that will be needed for their horses. Fine rice and wheat flour, whatever they ask, give them double. In every way, make sure there are no shortages. In the Guru's house, there is never any shortage. Whatever they want, they should receive. In the city of Anandapur, there was such great bliss. Every day there were new spectacles and wonders taking place. So that day's night had passed in this way, and the next morning, all the men woke up in the early hours of the day, Guru Gobind Singh had sheets all prepared, readied, as he announced that today we'll hold the divan, the court session, in a field. Decorate properly the Prasadi Hati, the elephant. Place on them gold and silver chains. Drape over the elephant velvet fabric, which is embroidered with gold and silver threads. Place on the jewelry as well, the plume, which will flap and sway here and there. Everyone heard these commands and were so excited, the Guru had taken Bhim Chand as his own. In their heart, they were excited and performed all the tasks. They set up all the encampment outside. Everybody ate and drank, and being aware of the time, the Guru then got up. Exiting through the beautiful house's door, it looked like a lotus was blossoming, that sight. The Guru was strapped with a karting sword and a quiver of arrows. His lofty plume was swaying. His stride was so agile and nimble, it was so wonderful. It was like a baby elephant moving forward in a hurry. The tent was strung up. This tent was brought from Kabul. It was so beautiful. The various different sheets on the ground looked glorious. The stunning throne was installed there and the ropes and strings that were pulling up the tent were made out of silk and were embroidered themselves. The master of the world, Guru Gobind Singh, then sat on the throne. Such illumination radiated from there. At that point, the Guru's uncle, Mama Kripalachand, came and sat close to the Guru, who was overjoyed. The five warriors, the Guru's cousins, came strapped with weapons on their body. They walked up. They remained standing around the Guru. Shyam and Gulabrai, they heard the call quickly and they came as well, along with the minister Nandachand, who was strapped with these large weapons. And Nandachand had brought with him the many Masans, the community leaders. They all sat properly and the court session commenced. The Sikh warriors all came in as well. A beautiful whisk was being waved over the Guru's head. How can I say how enticing all this appeared? Bhim Chand was then called, a messenger went and then relayed this to him, and that king was so happy when he heard he was called. He got ready with all his men, he was strapping weapons on his body along with their fine clothes. The wise ministers of his were taken along as well. They quickly went to the Guru Darbar, the court. From far they saw such grandeur. On top of the tent, how it was threaded with gold, it was just shining, it was such a beautiful tent, glistening in the sun, and as they got closer it only shined evermore. When they got close, the king started looking all around it. Then at the door where the warriors were standing guard, through that gate, Bhim Chand entered. Walking inside, he was just looking all around. He was, it was like a beautiful moon was surrounded by stars. 
perhaps the Indra, the god of heaven, had left heaven, coming down to this world with the other devtas, the demigods, bringing with them all the pleasures and treasures of heaven to place here. This is what Bhimchand was thinking about in his mind. He clasped his hands together, he bowed down. The wise Raja, the king, then sat close to the Guru. All the ministers of his also saluted the Guru, obtaining the Darshan divine sight, before they sat down at that point. Everybody was just looking up at the tent. Some extraordinary craftsmen must have constructed this tent. They were just in shock. The frills on the inside of the tent were sparkling so brightly because of the gold and silver thread. At other points, they were looking at the pearls that were strung and they were dangling. They were looking at the bushels of pearls, the guards with their silver and gold staffs, the fancy sheets. They were all just in a total state of awe. They had forgotten all time and space. They were saying to themselves, if heaven is like this, then surely we are in the company of the gods. Their eyes were jumping around here and there, taking it all in, thinking that they have now received such great fortune to be in this spot. They were looking at the tent and the walls inside of it, how it was strung up with silver thread and on all four sides. For some time they remained like this, just silent, in bliss, looking around in all four directions. They didn't say anything to the true Guru at that point. The Guru thought, well, their focus has become stilled at such majesty. Bhim Chan looked over at the Guru's minister Nan Chan and asked him how much this all cost. What area was this prepared in? I've never seen a tent like this in my life, he said. Nan Chan replied, he said, out west, a community leader, a Masand, had it prepared there for a total of 250,000 rupees. It was in that area out west where a craftsman prepared this. No one in the sand can make such a tent. There is one with Aurangzeb, the emperor, but even that is not as beautiful as this. Bhim Chan then replied, well, even that amount of money is not much for something like this. It's constructed so beautifully on all four sides. Nand Chan replied then saying, oh, hill king, listen, the Guru's house, there's no limit to it. Across all four sides of the world, expanding across all the oceans, people from all regions come bringing with them offerings. From Sri Lanka to the islands and the Indian oceans, there are six of the Guru there and they find offerings and they bring them to the Guru. While they were talking like this, at some point the elephant swayed over into sight. It was decorated in all ways with jewelry. The elephant got close and bowed down to the Guru. It had this shape of like a roti, this circular shape on its forehead that was white. And from that circular white spot, that streak of whiteness went all the way down to its trunk and then to the end of the trunk. It had thousands of other decorations on its body. The plume on the front of its forehead was glistening so greatly. Beam, John looked over at it and he was just overjoyed. In his heart, he was so delighted. His face smiled greatly, looking upon it and all the other wonderful items. He said, this elephant must have come from a very far off land. At that point, the plume wearing guru spoke saying, for one, the elephant has such a wonderful and rare shape. Along with it, it has such great qualities as well, skills. It does all these tricks Whatever you tell it, it'll do. In all ways, it's very smart, with understanding like a human. Hearing the Guru's words, the Hill King said, Oh Prabhu, oh Divine, this elephant is so rare. There really is nothing like it. I've seen, I've been all around, local areas and foreign regions, and the great wondrous qualities you speak about. Please show me. At that point, the elephant held a whisk with its trunk. It was standing behind the Guru. It was waving it over the Guru's head. Afterwards, it picked up a pitcher of water, and like a servant of the Guru, he washed the Guru's lotus-like feet. Then he took a silk cloth and dried the Guru's feet. He dusted the Guru's shoes as well. 
And at that point, the Guru then grabbed his bow. And with great strength, he let off some arrows. He indicated, he showed the elephant that he was shooting the arrows, shooting them at this target. The arrows, they shrieked like hissing snakes as they cut through the air. Such powerful arrows. What are men in front of these arrows? The Guru then indicated to the elephant, he said, go grab the arrows. The elephant very quickly, swaying all along the way, beautifully. Around his neck, it had these small bells which were jingling. And on the tusks of the elephant, there were these gold bangles attached to it. Silver chains around his legs looked so beautiful. It got there in great speed. It pulled out these arrows from the target. The elephant took the arrows out with his trunk and he collected all these arrows together while looking splendid in the draped fabrics. The elephant brought it back to the Guru, placing them down in front of the Guru, and then with a fabric he began dusting the arrows. The Guru then placed the arrows back into his quiver, and the hill king, Bhimshan, and all the others were just in shock. In seeing the form of such extravagance, Bhimshan then began thinking, maybe, maybe I should become a Sikh. Such a person, with such great glory in this world, the master of all miracles, while holding so many other great virtues as well, a protector of both this world and in the next, whose divine sight destroys all the collection of sin. So this is what Bhimshan was thinking about while speaking with the Guru. And they were seated there for about two hours. And then at that point, when Bhimshan noticed the expression on the Guru's face, knowing that it was time to leave, he bowed and he got up, leaving the congregation. The all-knowing Guru then thought, if the hill ruler becomes a Sikh of mine, well then, there will be no battles. This guy will be the first one to start conflict with us. So when Bhim Jan got home, back to his encampment, the thoughts of his mind were just destroyed. He began thinking backwards. He thought, those other hill rulers who are our brothers, if I become a Sikh, well then what will they say? They will get together, they'll make fun of me, they'll laugh at me. They'll say, where have I got this idea to become a Sikh of the Guru? They will see this in such an unacceptable light. And they will say, well, I'm stupid. So thinking in this way, he began doubting himself. Many doubts arose in the king's mind. His intellect had left him. He became arrogant. And that's why the Pahadis, the hill rulers, were called Kacche, unripe and disloyal. And this is how chapter 29 concludes. In the next chapter, we're going to hear more about Bhim Chan's interaction with the Guru. So that's what we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page.